So the reading, this reading is from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of God. Okay, so this reading is from John chapter 7, verses 37 through to 39. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures said, streams of living water flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that point, the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So shall we pray. Father God, on this Pentecost Sunday, would you soften our hearts? Would you speak in a new way to each of us here that we might hear your word to us? 
Would you fill us afresh? Would you pour upon us your Spirit? Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us afresh, we pray now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pentecost is one of those Christian festivals that, in retrospect, we talk about it as if it were normal. But actually, it's utterly bizarre. But then, I suppose you could say that about all the Christian festivals, actually. A child born to a virgin at Christmas. A man that's come back from the dead at Easter. Ascending to heaven in a cloud at Ascension. The list goes on. But Pentecost ranks up there with them all as a most bizarre story indeed. And I should imagine that the first disciples were just as perplexed as we are when we think deeply about this event. Remember that the disciples had met with Jesus on Ascension Day he descended to heaven and he told them to go and hang out together in a room in Jerusalem and wait. They'd been together for 10 days. But I wonder how they felt on that first Pentecost morning. They'd all been gathered together in one place. But prior to that, what an amazing, unbelievable time had happened. Remember that they'd entered Jerusalem with Jesus riding on a donkey to a hero's welcome. A few days later, Jesus had turned over the, temp the tables in the temple. Then they'd seen Jesus arrested and falsely accused. The people of Jerusalem had turned against him. They'd been baying for his blood. They'd wit witnessed Jesus being tortured and crucified. Some of them had seen his agonising death. The others had all run away before then. Only to hear about this resurrection of their Lord, their friend, their saviour, their rabbi. And then coming face to face with him in the flesh. And then spending another month with him doing, well, no one really knows because it's not recorded in the Gospels. Then his ascension into heaven and here they were in a room together waiting for this gift that, God had, that Jesus had promised them that God would give them. They're waiting together in this room, presumably praying, maybe in silence, who knows, but they've been there for 10 days. The disciples must have been so confused by all that had gone on in the previous six or seven weeks, emotionally exhausted, not knowing what on earth was going to be coming next, but knowing that Jesus had said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the gift that my Father will send to you. They were waiting for something. So here we find them, gathered together, and it's Pentecost. Pentecost was a Jewish festival that celebrated, uh, harvest festival really, the, a, a wheat festival. But it was also the time when the law had been given to Moses. And we see this in uh, Deuteronomy 16. It's a celebration of the wheat harvest. And so the disciples are back together again, 
hanging out in and around the temple, getting ready to celebrate this festival in a time-old-fashioned way, ready to meet with God as they had always done. But things were different now. And God uses this moment to fulfill his promise and send upon them the Holy Spirit, the gift that Jesus had promised that they would receive. And a wind like a tornado fills the house. Tongues of fire rest on each believer and they begin to speak uncontrollably in tongues. Other languages, the heavenly language, And as they start to pour out of their room into the streets and maybe into the courtyards of the temple, people witness what's going on. And they come to the only natural conclusion that most right people thinking, most right thinking people could come to, that these men must be drunk. Because it was so bizarre, their behaviour and what they were seeing before them. And it's at that moment that Peter decides to stand up and he assures them that what they're witnessing is not a bunch of men that are drunk on wine early in the morning, but rather they are experiencing the gift of God. So what on earth was the Holy Spirit given to them for? And crucially, why does God give us the Holy Spirit in our church community here in Christchurch now, in the 21st century? Well, the Holy Spirit is a gift of power. At the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus has instructed his, his disciples to go to Jerusalem, and it says, to wait for the gift my Father has promised. And then in his final words to the disciples, before he ascends to heaven in Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you shall be my witnesses. And Pentecost is the fulfilment of that promise. The Holy Spirit is given and power fills them. It says in Acts 2, 3, 4, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. Now I think that there are a few things here that are worthy of note. The first is that the tongues of fire came and rested on each person. Each person. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The power and the anointing of the Spirit, which had rested upon selected Old Testament individuals called to a particular role and for a particular job for a particular time, now was available to all people all believers and what we witnessed was a physical manifestation as the spirit came upon those individuals and what we witnessed is that they were completely changed the disciples went from being fearful to becoming bold they they moved from being anxious to being courageous they've been gathered in this room waiting for 10 days and then they poured out onto the streets And then they started talking boldly and courageously about this Jesus that they'd witnessed his execution and then his resurrection. And the spirit that was now available to all. They were completely 
and utterly changed. The power of God had filled, the, filled them and rested upon them and given them boldness and courage where they had previously been hiding in a room. Now they were talking boldly about the Jesus who had died. So what had changed? Well, very simply, it was the Holy Spirit. God's empowering presence had rested upon them and filled them. And the filling of the Holy Spirit meant that the disciples now had constant access to the same power that had raised Christ from the dead. God, through his Holy Spirit, came upon his people, filled them, and his power changed them. And my question is, has your life been touched and changed by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? Because what we see in the Gospels is ordinary people that are enabled to, do, to accomplish extraordinary deeds when they are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You and I, as sons and daughters of the King, the King of Kings, we now have access to that same Holy Spirit that the first disciples did. We have access to that same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead to come and dwell and live within us and empower and enable us to be sent out on mission for God. It's the Holy Spirit that makes all the difference. It's been said that if Christmas is God with us and Easter is God for us, then Pentecost is God in us. And what we see in that promise in Acts 1.8 is that the Spirit will come upon you, the Spirit of power, in order that you will be my witnesses. God doesn't give us his uh, Holy Spirit in order that we can have uh, a wonderful experience of being filled by God's presence. Although that's good, he, he, he comes by his Holy Spirit to give us an experience in order that we're empowered to go out and be his witnesses. That was the, the promise in Acts 1.8. And that is our, the promise for us and also the commission for us. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's in order that we're propelled out on mission to be God's witnesses to the ends of the earth. As Peter explained the Pentecost phenomenon to the people that were there witnessing and what, watching what was going on to these first disciples, he drew their attention to that prophecy in Joel in the Old Testament. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. The church has a message, and it's simple. Jesus is alive and Jesus saves. And so as Jesus' disciples and followers, we have a purpose, and it's simple, to proclaim who Jesus is and what he has done. To be his witnesses. The electrifying message that the disciples bring is one that allows all people to dream their wildest dreams 
of how the world could be changed by who Jesus is, his death and resurrection. It's one that allows all people to see the most amazing visions of what truly abundant, full life looks like and what it means. It's the good news of a radical reversal, a radical transformation, a radical inversion of the values of the world that we currently live in. And Jesus is the embodiment of that paradigm shift. The Holy Spirit throws open the doors and the windows and compels us to go out, to take this message into the world, to prophesy, to bring hope, to turn people back to God. The Holy Spirit is ultimately a gift not for the church, but for the whole world. Yes, we're energised and excited and experience God's love through the Holy Spirit. Not so we can be entertained, but so that we can engage in mission. So we can be empowered. Not so that we can rule over society, but so we can draw people by our example to the cross. And ultimately, through the Holy Spirit, we're given a voice and a message to proclaim so that the whole world will receive the good news of who Jesus is. We want to be a Pentecost church here at Christchurch. We want to know the power of the Holy Spirit among us. And so we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit to be filled in a fresh and new way. Because we can't do this job on our own. We need God's power to help us to fulfil the mission he's given us, to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. We can't do it on our own, which is why our cry, our prayer is, come Holy Spirit, fill us afresh this morning. Uh, one of my old lecturers at college was... Uh... Oh gosh, I've forgotten his name. <laughs> Green. Michael Green, thank you. I couldn't remember his first name. Michael Green. And he used to le lecture passionately about the Holy Spirit. And, and the simple picture he gave is, you and I are all like sieves. And everything falls through us. And that kind of an picture or analogy is that we constantly need to be filled because we're leaky. And we need God's empowering spirit on a daily basis. It's not a one-off filling. It's a regular daily experience of a prayer that says, I can't do this on my own. I need you to fill me afresh daily so that I can be your witness. Does the Holy Spirit still enable us to dream dreams of the impossible? Does the Holy Spirit still lead us towards a vision of how God would like our world to be? Does the Holy Spirit still stir up in us the desire to prophesy to those around us, bringing them the dreams and visions of the better world that God has shown us in Jesus? The answer to that is yes, because we have access to the same Holy Spirit today, now in Christchurch in the 21st century. Is the Holy Spirit firing the flames within us to change the world around us?
And then if not, we need a fresh infilling of that spirit right now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Don't put it off. Pray for God to fill you afresh now, today, so that that fire burns within you. God the Father is the promise keeper. And when we ask, he will fill us so we're empowered for mission and witness. So my encouragement to us today is, as I finish, is to invite you to very simply pray that prayer. It's not long, it's not complicated, it's just simply, come Holy Spirit and fill me afresh today. Because we recognise that we can't do this on our own. We need God's empowering presence dwelling within us day by day, hour by hour, in order that we can be his witnesses. So I'm just going to invite the band to come up now. And we're just going to have some silence. I'm just going to invite you in the quiet to pray that prayer. And it might help you to hold your hands just open. It's a sense of uh, a posture that says, I'm expectant and I'm waiting, God, for you to come uh, and to fill me afresh today. You don't need to say anything. You can just pray it quietly in your head. And in faith, we ask that the Father would fill us afresh today. Let's pray. Good Father, would you fill us afresh this morning? We pray in faith that you would come, Holy Spirit, in a new way, in a fresh way, and fill us now.